Hi everyone, and a huge warm welcome to this, the brand new and first ever Institute of Hospitality podcast hosted by me, Phil Street, MIH. Each month we'll be discussing hot topics, cold topics and everything in between with associates, members and fellows from around the globe in what is the jewel in the crown of the Institute's continued evolution. And I have to say I'm incredibly proud to be playing my part in bringing this to you. So sit back, relax and get ready to say I'm in to the Institute of Hospitality. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Welcome to I'm In, the Institute of Hospitality's official podcast with me, your host Phil Street, MIH. Today we're talking about culture and joining me to help decode this wonderful subject we have Jasmine Zaman, AIH, Kelly Marie Staunton, MIH and all the way from Saudi Arabia, Dave McGee, FIH. A big thank you to all three of our guests today for giving up the time for today's discussion. So to find out if culture really does eat strategy for breakfast, let's get stuck straight in. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to this, the first ever episode of the I'm In podcast with me, your host, Phil Street, MIH. Now, each month we'll be inviting associates, members and fellows from all over the globe to discuss and dissect some of the big topics out there, whilst also demonstrating all of the wonderful reasons to say I'm in to the Institute of Hospitality. And today, we kick things off in style with three wonderful human beings. So, first of all, from the the ranks of FIH, or fellow, as it's known as, we welcome Dave McGee, all the way over from Saudi Arabia. Yes, hello, everybody. Yeah, um, I'm here now in uh, hot and humid Saudi Arabia today. So Yeah, how, how, how long have you been out there, Dave? I've actually been here for about 12 years. Um, I'm a teacher. I work in vocational training centres. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and what specifically are you teaching while you're out there? Well, I take well specifically. I I teach English and health and safety and workplace skills like that. So for a variety of different trades and professions. Yeah. But with regards to today, I I also run a small NGO with educators and teachers. So with regards to the Institute of Hospitality, so if people are setting up social enterprises around the world, NGOs and what have you, think of Jamie Oliver's 15, then we as teachers will go across and uh, help them to set up training programs for people who might have low levels of learning and literacy abilities. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, the uh, the view from the the world at the moment is is that the, there's obviously a little bit of a, a staffing shortage. We're going to talk about culture yeah. later on. But uh, what's the the view in in Saudi Arabia? Because it's a boom time for for the country in terms of hospitality, as I understand it. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is. The country's going through a a, a massive paradigm shift, really, that, that I'm sure everybody's aware of. Women are entering into the workplace. There's a lot more social freedoms, plus going through a massive economic change to try and diversify away from their dependency on oil and foreign workers. And they've identified that uh, hospitality and tourism is one of the key pillars of that. Obviously, they have the Hajj and Umrah and Mecca and stuff like that. So they're very, yeah. it's very, very, very interesting times indeed. I've been to a few of the new colleges and it's very interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. you're right in the thick of it in the uh, in the education process as well. So I yeah. I salute you for <laughs> for for doing something so honourable. 
Thank you. Um, so why did you say I'm in to why the Hos- I... Institute of Hospitality? Okay, well, basically, uh, I've actually been in since around 1988. I get into, I'm originally from Belfast, as you can tell by my accent, but because of the troubles and stuff like that, I, I was lucky I got to do an apprenticeship in London um, as a chef. And then I got to do my, uh, it was the HCIMA back then at um, Westminster Kingsway College. And I joined the HCIMA and I'm very glad I did because it's been fantastic from a career, networking, meeting nice people like yourselves, getting to do different and interesting things. It's, it's been fantastic. I'm really glad I did join. Bless you. Yeah, and yeah. well, and, and actually COVID is, uh, if it's, it's not done many good things, but the one thing it has done is, is allowed a lot more freedom of thought around linking up through tech to, to speak to people. I mean, the tech's always been there, yeah. but certainly it's just accelerated in, in its usage over the last couple of years. Indeed. Oh, it has. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a big, a big warm welcome to you, Dave, and, and thank you for making time. You're obviously uh, a, a couple of hours ahead of us, so much obliged for, for giving up your evening to have this chat with us today. That's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Very good. Great. And then we move into our, our membership arena and we have the lovely Kelly Marie Staunton, MIH. Kelly, welcome. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, so my name's um, Kelly Marie Staunton. Um, I graduated from the University of Central Lancashire with a BA International Hospitality Management in 2017. Um, I then completed a master's degree in international business law. And then from that, I did work for Marriott and Hilton in Nashville, USA, and in Guangzhou, China. And then from that, I became a guest relations manager back in Manchester. And then since I've been in a new role and for the last three months uh, with Champneys Mottram Hall, and that's in Cheshire. Um, I have been part of the IOH now for two years um, as an active mentor and member as well. Fabulous, yeah. And well, interesting, you did international business law and uh, and you've, I suppose that's not a natural qualification to do to come into hospitality but enlighten us as to your thinking um so the ba that i did that was in hospitality management and then i wanted to look in the avenue of law i was quite interested in employment law and human resources and arbitration and litigation and that was the avenues i wanted to explore Um, and they have been quite useful in terms of hospitality and um, employment law as well yeah i can imagine no that's great and and why did you say i'm in to the institute So I said I'm in to be part of the diversity and inclusivity aspect of the hospitality industry. Um, I really wanted to promote the industry to show that it is actually open to other industries and it's not just hospitality, really. Yeah, absolutely. um, I'm 100% with you on the promotion of the industry. I think we all need to do our bit because I think a lot's made in the the media about all the negative stuff. But the reality is, is if you work in this industry, the, the vast majority of things that go on is wonderful. So we need to talk about that more uh, rather than letting the media control our message. There we are, rant yeah. over. <laughs> no, thank you very much, Kelly. It's uh, wonderful wonderful to have you here as well. And uh, and we move into our associate ranks and, uh, and we're delighted to have Yasmin Zaman with us. Hi, Phil. Delighted to be here too. Bless you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Yes, very good indeed. And where are you hailing from today? Um, I'm joining from Oxford today. 
I um, have recently finished my undergrad um, at the University of Exeter. So I studied Spanish and geography down there. And then I moved to Oxford at the beginning of August because I've just started on a graduate scheme with a company called Connect Bending in food and beverage services for the workplace. Got you. Okay. And uh, and why did you say I'm in to the Institute of Hospitality? I'll get that right one day. (laughs) So I spent the third year of my degree working for Marriott at Hotel Arts Barcelona and I really enjoyed the experience. I was working by the pool and then in the sales department there and when I then returned back to the UK I wanted to look into graduate opportunities in hospitality and the main reason why I joined was actually the Mentor Me program which Kelly previously mentioned and um, since then I've got involved with a lot more of the other events going on in the industry. Unlike Dave, I've only been part of the Institute for a year, but it's been a great year so far. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter when you uh, you get started. You're you're making the right kind of noises. I'm hearing good things about you. So all eyes are on your future. Thank you. No pressure. <laughs> well, no, you're, you're all very, very welcome today. And thank you for, for joining us today. So... Today, we are going to talk about culture. And Peter Drucker famously said, and that's Peter Drucker, not Ducker, who used to be the chief executive of the Institute of Hospitality. He famously said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Now, this is something that I've always firmly believed, but I think it's never been more accentuated than the times that we are in now. Um, so I asked this question to you all, really, and uh, and I'll leave this open to whoever wants to pick this up first. But what future awaits employers who fail to take this very, very simple phrase on board and respect the work-life balance of their teams? Well, personally, I, may, I, may I start? You please do, yes. Okay, well, personally, I, I, I think it's going to be quite bleak. Okay, thanks very much, Dave. Next. <laughs> uh, no, uh, for, for employers, if they're not, because co- what COVID is, it's a, it's a paradigm changer. You know, it's a, it's a life, once in a lifetime paradigm changer. The whole work-life balance, it's changing now and it's going to be a priority because in terms of hospitality, uh, we're already seeing that there, there, there is a lack of employees. So employees will be able to, therefore, choose which employer they they wish to do so more than in the past yeah absolutely and actually uh, jasmine if i come to you because you're the newest of us into the the workforce in terms of your kind of reasoning for want to come into to hospitality what what were you looking for in uh, an employer um i'd say the work-life balance aspect is very important um i want to enjoy what i'm doing on a day-to-day basis at work and yeah. I also want to enjoy what I'm doing outside of my work life and um, particularly being early on in my career so I want to be able to work for an employer which enables me to balance my personal and my professional life and gives me support in both aspects. Yeah and you know what I, I don't think that that's too much to ask and I think uh, I think frankly the the workforce has probably been asking for it for a number of years but hospitality's to my mind, has, has probably been a victim of its own success. Since the uh, the downturn in 2008-9, it's absolutely exploded as an in- industry. Um, it yeah. became 
hugely important from an investment perspective. Businesses, big businesses and investment firms could see that they could get big returns by uh, investing in the sector, which is wonderful. But uh, it, it meant that we um, we had all of these new things that would hit the marketplace, but we haven't ever kept pace in terms of bringing people into the industry. So I, I kind of, I'm with you, Dave, in terms of your your projection of that this is, if you're not paying heed to these simple things that look after the humans that are in your business, then uh, then you're very quickly going to find yourself at the back of the queue. Yeah, well, for the top people anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and, and Kelly, over to you. What's, um, in your opinion, what, what makes a good culture in a business? Um, so in terms of what makes a good culture in a business, um, I do think it would be um, having a healthy work environment, a place where you feel you do belong, um, development is also key of that. So having the development options and to actually have hospitality as a career, not just a job. Uh, the balance of staff appreciation and again, work-life balance and then the focus on your people and team as well. Yeah, absolutely. That And that work, work-life balance keeps coming up yeah. all the time. And so how do you get work-life balance in a, in a business that can ultimately end up being a 24-7 business? You know, especially within the, the world of hotels, that, that sometimes, they, you know, they don't really go to sleep. Tricky one to ask. I suppose that's all around about the management of, of that business and in terms of how you make sure that your rotors are set up. And as you said earlier, Jasmine, around the fact that your employees make sure that they're, I guess, feeling supported. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I completely agree with that. Yeah. One of the things that Kelly just said that really struck a chord with me was about changing perceptions and making people feel that hospitality is a career choice rather than just a part-time job. I think that will go a long way to helping create that shift um, in the industry. And if people gain that respect for it, then they'll make sure there's legislations in place so that hospitality employees do get supported and do get help to balance their professional and their personal lives yeah absolutely how do we how do we change perceptions it's a, i mean that's quite a big question i suppose with lots and lots of potential answers but um dave what's the the view in in saudi arabia on on that with with this big change taking place in in the way that the the workforce is viewed out there what's uh, what's the view from out there well, um, actually, as I said earlier, it's quite interesting times in Saudi because, as I said, they've invested heavily in the hospitality and tourism sector, but they've brought in decrees where basically the the management positions um, have all got to be Saudiized. For a long time, they were dependent on migrant workers. I'm sure you're aware, of, you know, the, how they were treated and different mm. things like that. But now, because it's become Saudiized, the employers really, really, really have to make that effort to encourage the uh, the, the young Saudis to, to come in. And obviously, they're looked after a lot more and a lot better in terms of career and different things like that. But also, just on a, on a, on a broader thing with regards to the conversation, I also think with the, the work-life balance now, especially in a post-COVID I think that hospitality, it's going to need to become a lot more ethical and a lot more aware of people's thoughts outside of hospitality, like their employers and thinking about 
working within their local communities, um, sustainability and different things like that, which would encourage new um, types of younger employees. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's quite a lot to think about, isn't there, as, yeah. a, as, a, as a potential employer? Yeah. But at the same time, actually, there are just a kind of probably small number of basics that if you focus on and get right, Indeed. then you're going to give yourself a really great foundation. Yeah. Actually, the point you make there on sustainability, I think it's that's a, another massive one. I'd, I'd heard, I'd read somewhere, I can't remember where this was, but that the the generation coming into the workforce now mm. are, yes, they want work-life balance and they want to, to be able to go and have uh, a life and but also still have career success. But they also want to know that the company that they're working for is making a difference in the yeah. world. Yeah. And does anybody have any experience of of that or any companies, you don't have to name companies, any good and bad experiences out there? Can I go? Um, yeah. So whilst I was working for Hotel Arts in Barcelona, they had a community footprints program, um, which was basically their way of doing the corporate social responsibility aspect of the business mm. and whilst I was there I sat in on a couple of the meetings and found out about the various strategies they were implementing to reduce the amount of water wastage reduce their amount of um, single-use plastics they were using and then also on the social side how they were helping support various groups in the city for example there was a um, children's Centre for Disabled Children and there was events run for them um, so I thought they did a great job of promoting sustainability within the workplace. Yeah and I think that's there's a, a, a I'm seeing this a lot more now across the the industry and it's a it's not just about you as a business and what you're what you're there for it's about a kind of it's a wider feeling what are we doing for the local community what are we doing to ensure that our our footprint is, you know, uh, carbon negative or whatever. There's all manner of little things in the great scheme of things that for a, a big business to think about, they can actually make a massive, massive difference. Yeah, certainly culturally, you know, if if you if you were if you're thinking about joining an organisation, a, a global organisation, of course you want to work for an organisation that you feel that you're contributing your time to and your career to is ethical. So you're doing something positive. And that's just, you know, in the context of this conversation about workplace culture and the work-life balance and things like that, I don't think that can be underestimated, particularly at this time. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, uh, yeah I mean, the the I suppose the work-life balance thing really ultimately just comes down to a simple fact of respect. Yeah. It's it's about respecting the the human being that's, in your business and you can't have a kind of one size fits all approach to management and leadership because if you've got a, a team of 30 employees every one of those individuals has got something else going on in their life than the other one mm-hmm. you know so it, it's about having that individual approach uh, to to people's needs but but respect is a two-way thing i think that's the thing it's not just all about the uh, and the employer bending over backwards to make things happen for the employees the employee also has to come to the party yeah indeed yeah um so 
I mean, I think the other thing that I've seen recently is that there's been quite a lot of, especially within the mainstream media, um, and of course, they're always going to get a hold of the sensational stories, but quite a lot of allegations of of bullying in the workplace. I mean, if, you know, from my perspective, as, as somebody, I now run a business, uh, but when I was in a, an employee, if somebody had, if I'd ever seen any kind of bullying going on in, in the business, I'd um, I'd have definitely flagged it uh, at that time. Are we now at a stage? Is this hospitality's kind of hashtag Me Too moment? Do we need to get all of these negative stuff out the way so that we have a ground level to work from, and then we all make an agreement going forwards that you know what we're just gonna we're all gonna look after each other and we're all gonna call out these malpractices, Kelly. <laughs> I think, um, do you mean, uh, what examples have you got of bullying in the workplace? Uh, well, there was a, a big thing about Bulldog, Bulldog, Brewdog, sorry, recently, uh, which they've responded to. There's been uh, allegations levelled at, at some high-profile chefs from uh, all over the UK. It, you know, I don't doubt that these things are happening, but I, I think it's it's one thing to call them out, but it's it's another thing just to call them out and leave them to hang out to dry. I think if there's an opportunity here to educate, then uh, then I think that's what we need to be doing. Absolutely. I agree with you. I think um, it is a case of educating and then that can give the ground level to work from from there. Yeah, absolutely. Have you had any uh, any bad experiences from within your career? Again, you don't have to mention <laughs> names. Um, in terms of bullying, is it? Or just any kind of uh, negative leadership? Um, well, there is a few in the past, um, not mentioning any names, but as you would know um, as hospitality is quite a rumoured um, industry and um, if rumours do occur in the workplace and the manager doesn't actually tolerate them or doesn't do anything about them and um, this can actually escalate and that's how bullying can come into play because that employee um, feels victimised and then nothing's actually done about him. Yeah I think it, it all ultimately comes down to the leadership doesn't it just in terms of and I, I'm not just talking about whoever is at the helm of the organization, but you know, the leadership from within various departments, et cetera, et cetera. I think you've got to be giving the the forum to your team to be able to feel comfortable to talk about stuff that's not going well, talk about the bad stuff as well as the good stuff, and not you know, leave them out there to kind of feel like I've got nowhere to turn to if something's not going quite my way, which is an inevitable part. Of, of building a career there are going to be moments whereby your you know things are not going the way that you want them to but if you've got a, a support network around you within the business then at least there's a, a path then to to kind of get through it and past it yeah i think so too i think i think uh, what you're saying is uh, very right but uh they're, they're definitely in, even within the uk there is the working in the hospitality industry that it is what seen as one of the negatives of the job basically uh, being shouted at by chefs or improper advances by management or by customers and different things like that and i think that uh, like an institute uh like the institute of hospitality which is an education and training basically charitable organization there's opportunities in the post-covid so you know, we, we could sort of see how we could embed ourselves more into the, how would you say, the education to employment ecosystem and empower future employees on 
not just if something goes wrong, but what I found in my work uh, with uh, foreign workers and domestic workers is they know that they're being abused, but they don't have the skills to be able to find out where to get help and how to get that help. So I think in, in right. terms of creating a, a culture, an open door policy, and like you said, once and for all, just eradicating this from our profession and saying, no, we are a profession, we are professionals, and we don't tolerate this sort of behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I've never I've never really understood it because I, I think you ultimately get the, the the best out of human beings when you allow them to be at their best. Yeah. And there's no way in the world that um that, that somebody's gonna be at their best if they're always in a constant state of fear. Yeah. And especially then when we're dealing with human beings, you know, to deliver experiences to people who come into our, our businesses, that um, you know, how how are these people then expected to deliver warmth and you know enthusiasm towards somebody if they're not being treated correctly within the workplace and if now if now is not the time to make the change now the the balls in the employees court the employers are looking for employees and so there needs to now is the time just to set these guidelines and say okay but you're not going to shout at me you're not going to ask me to do extra hours for more pay you're going to treat me like a human being and now the the, the balls firmly in the employees court as opposed to the employers so an institute like the institute of hospitality has an opportunity to to get in there yeah yeah absolutely i think the uh, they're definitely flying the positive flag um yeah. and i know that uh, that robert's pretty relentless on on that um, and of course, we we remain firmly behind him yeah. on that. Are we now at the stage then, whereby effectively employees are actually interviewing employers to to for the job? It's not um, it's not about finding the person whose skill set is right. It's about the person finding the right company where they can do their best work. As someone who's just entering the um, workplace as a graduate, I think it's a two-way process. So I still think you do get interviewed by the employer. They want to see whether you're the right fit for them. But then the tables are also turned and it's an opportunity for you to see whether you're a right fit for the employer. I think it's less question-answer between employer and employee and more two-way dialogue. So you both have opportunities to learn about each other and see whether you will be a cultural fit within the business. Yeah, I, I think that's that, that's absolutely bang on. I think it there it should be a two way process because you know effectively you're you're giving up your time, you're trading your time to go you know and work there um, for the money that they give you. Um, you should at least while you're there because you spend so much time enjoy what you're doing, but you know, that works in the interview process. That works as much about you finding out about them as it is about them finding out about you. And it should always have been that way. But of course, it's, uh, it, it, I suppose it's ultimately depends on who's interviewing in the first place. I think it's a lot easier said than done because just thinking back to um, my interview with um, Connect, which I did, I think around February time, mm. The first and the first and second round interview were definitely them more interviewing me and them asking the majority of the questions. And it was only then in the final stage where I thought, actually, I need to check whether this is right for me. And so then I turned around and asked more questions at the final stage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I suppose it's going to be different for 
different roles in different companies and you know some some places will be oversubscribed with people wanting to work for them and i suppose that it's going to be the companies that really really look after and nurture what their culture is going to be and what it's all about and are, are doing positive things in, in that respect that are going to be the ones that are having uh, employees banging on their door asking to go work for them the ones who who pay at lip service will quickly get found out and will will go straight to the back of the queue um and may not even make it but you i suppose you could then argue that if they're not managing their business correctly and introducing this kind of positive focused culture that's then they they don't deserve to make it a bit controversial but there we go and especially nowadays that you have obviously nowadays you have social media and the spread of you know negative information i won't say any names but we're well aware of particular hospitality employers um in london and abroad who who didn't do too well during the pandemic when it came to looking after their staff and i can remember yeah. i can remember looking on facebook and there was walls about boycotting these places and different things like that. So I think also, if they don't have a good culture, word spreads a lot faster nowadays as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, in and and even I mean, there's a, a, a website called Glassdoor now. You can yeah. go, you know, people write reviews on on em, employers and what the uh, what the experience was was like. And it, like any online environment, you've got to take some of them with a pinch and salt. But at the same time, you you know you can go and get a snapshot pretty quickly as to what the reputation of the employer is. Yeah, but I mean, I mean through through my work, I, I work with a, an awful lot. I have done through a, a lot of NGOs, charitable organisations, what have you, trying to get like sort of young kids from poor backgrounds into hospitality and catering careers, you know, in, in different places around the world, so that they can. Mm. And I, I have to say, though, I've, I've worked in different industries, but by far and away, I mean, the hospitality industry is hospitable people. So in terms of being inclusive and welcoming, I think generally we do, as, 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 a, as an industry, have, uh, have a good culture and generally tend to have more good people in there rather than bad. So if we can build on that, I think it's good, but we need to be flexible, obviously, in the post-COVID. Yeah, and I, and I think the key thing about that is, is is coming back to the the point that you've got to allow people to to be able to use their natural personality, and the only way you can do that is if is if you are protecting them uh, as a as an employee and that you're giving them you know the space to be themselves. Yeah, benefits is is one, and that's a it's a sticky one because obviously that I think the perception is is that. F- you know, by introducing benefits packages to to companies, that's going to cost them money. But I suppose at the same time, you know, you could say that by not introducing things that are making people's lives better, you know, whether that's from a monetary perspective, then actually it's going to cost you money anyway because you're you're going to keep losing people and keep having to rehire people and and all of these sorts of things. What's any thoughts out there on on what we could do? to improve the, the, the benefits that, that come with working for a company? Um, well, I would probably um, suggest um, in terms of that, um, maybe just um, promoting the development opportunities and um, what opportunities that there is out there in the industry. Yeah, I would agree with you because I think a, a lot of the time there's there's 
a lot's made of the monetary elements, but actually, especially when you're starting out in your career, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, because it's been 20 years since I was at the beginning of my career, but money was actually not a massive priority for me at the beginning. It was about the development and learning opportunities and the ability to be able to make progress. My belief was is that if I focus on that, ultimately the money will always come. Yeah. So it, it, I, I, I would agree with you. Any thoughts, Jasmine, on, on your experience within that? Is, is, is it more important to focus on giving people the opportunities to progress? I can actually agree more with that. Um, I think as a person who's just getting started in my career, the investment is training is definitely a big priority for me. And I think when looking for a job, I definitely looked at the various benefits that they offer beyond the salary that they were providing. Because some employers offer things like um, discounts on gym memberships and others offer days out or evenings out so that you get to know the people in your teams and things like that are quite important to me, um, especially at this age, because I want to make the most of all the opportunities at work and if there's various benefits which are included within the um, salary package then that's definitely something positive for me yeah absolutely I think it's there's some research been done around it where it's it's almost I think it's 0.6 in importance for people I just can't tell you what the other five are um, but it is generally around being in a a place where you feel like you belong about having a voice that's heard you know and about having development opportunities it's it is more around these things than it is about you know a, achieving an extra couple of hundred pounds in your your salary at the end of the the month yeah me and my friends are all working in various jobs in various sectors and we haven't really compared what salaries we're on but we have compared what benefits we get through um the various yeah. programs we're on yeah interesting and uh, yeah, that, well, I suppose that kind of backs up the point. Therefore, that uh, that uh, actually it does play its part, but it isn't about the pound signs per se. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it, it's a, it's an interesting subject matter. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, per- for me personally, the the benefits um, coming from Belfast was obviously the opportunities to you know to travel and have free accommodation and food and meet new people and do new things as well. Yeah, uh, and that you know that for me that was a great benefit. Of course, yeah, and that's not really something that's that's written into a benefits package, is it? It's um, it, it's it's a, a a sort of fringe benefit in inverted commas. Yeah, I mean, I was I, I was lucky. I, I I worked originally at the Tara, and then I went to the the Savoy Hotel on the Strand. And in terms of like personal growth and development and training programs and everything, that was really good. And it was actually that that led me to basically have the confidence to go back to education and become a teacher, you know? So the, right. our, our, our industry is just so big. It offers so many benefits and opportunities. Yeah. And I think they did the, especially now where there's a, you know, widely written about staffing shortages is that actually, if you're coming into the industry now, there's never been a better time yeah. to, to, to put the hammer down and, and make progress in your career. Mm-hmm. Um, I did hear actually that I watched something a, a few weeks back, and uh, a chap called Paul Spencer, who's the ops director over at um, Lock Hotels, set, made a very valid point. We need to stop talking that um, that twenty eight days holiday 
and uh, uniform and meals on duty are benefits. They they are the the minimum standard. Yeah, you know, and um, they make that your 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 baseline and work outwards from there. And I, I that really resonated with me because you know these are not real benefits. They're you know, but but um, but perhaps we've put too much weight behind them in the past. Yeah, they're they're legal obligations basically. Yeah. 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 Uh, exactly. Yeah, especially with the twenty-eight days, <laughs> that is. Yeah, exactly. That's your requirement. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, interesting. And um, I, we, we kind of moved a little bit all over the place, and of course, that's completely always my fault because that, that's just the way that my brain works. But yeah, I mean, to to summarize, what what should companies be doing? to uh, ensure that they that they stay ahead of the game when it comes to recruiting people into their teams. Kelly, do you want to kick us off? Absolutely. I think um, it's important that companies do promote um, the diversity and inclusivity aspect of hospitality now and also just promoting the work-life balance and the opportunities that are out there as well. Yep. And Jasmine? I'd say that it's important that companies prioritise the mental and physical well-being of their staff because that helps to create a positive culture. And then I agree with Kelly on the diversity and inclusion aspect. People need to see other people in the business who look like them and have similar backgrounds to them. And that will help them inspire their growth within the company and the industry. Yeah, no, I, I could not agree more. And, and Dave, final word to you. Uh, I totally agree. I think it's all about diversity and inclusivity. And I think also, thanks to you, Phil, I think um, in terms of organising things like this for big organisations like the IOH, employers could look to, to work more collaboratively with organisations and professionals with ourselves going forward. Yeah, that's. I think that's a really great point, actually, because actually from all of the industries that I um uh, have come across in my life either through my own experience or through through friendship hmm. hospitality has a, a naturally collaborative mindset yeah. and we we should absolutely use that absolutely indeed. use that indeed yeah well i mean uh, from my perspective just to, to summarize uh, today's chat i think the bottom line is just look after your people yeah. end of um, but obviously very interesting to, to hear that diversity and inclusion is at the forefront of people's thoughts as well. I think that's great. Work-life balance plays a massive part of that and looking after the mental and physical well-being of your, your teams. I mean, all of these things, to me, feel like they should be an ingrained in your hospitality personality. But uh, in any case, I, uh, a massive, massive thank you to, to Jasmine, Kelly and Dave for coming on and giving your your thoughts on this this today it is a bit of a can of worms to to open up and i'm sure it's a, a topic that we could actually talk about all day indeed we could uh i'd like to can i just say thank you very much phil for taking the time to organize this it's been very interesting and thank you very much you're very welcome i, I much appreciate you all making time yeah Absolutely. Thank, thank you for having. Oh, sorry, Kelly, go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you very much for um, having me as well. It was great to see the other uh, members of the Institute as well. Fantastic. And thank you from me as well, Phil. And thank you to you, Kelly and Dave. Yes. 
Right. Yeah, no, and, and thank you to you all because I think you're all podcast virgins as well, aren't you? So um, it's a, it's a big step to take, and um, and I, I I much appreciate you putting yourselves outside of your comfort zone to do this. Yeah, no, it's been it's been very good, interesting, wonderful. Well, I wish you all the very best. Fantastic. Okay. Take care, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm in. Today, I'm in covered I'm culture in. with Jasmine Zaman, AIH, I'm Kelly Marie Staunton, MIH, and Dave McGee, FIH, hosted by I'm Phil Street, in. MIH. Branding and artwork I'm by Sonia Cresswell, AIH. Music and theme tune by Leon Williams, MIH. To say I'm in and feature on a future episode, contact phil.street at instituteofhospitality.org. And to find out more about the Institute of Hospitality or to join our hospitality family, please click on the links in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and join us next time where we'll be discussing disciplinaries.